Well, welcome to this special edition of Retrosonic Podcast. I'm Steve from Retroman Blog, and uh, regular readers and subscribers might have seen our album of 2020 was um, by the sort of international star-studded collaboration, Five Billion in Diamonds, and their album Divine Accidents. Again, regulars to the podcast and blog will know that we've interviewed on quite a few occasions Ebert Lundberg from the soundtrack of our lives and Damien O'Neill from the Undertones and um, found out about this project and uh, that they were working with. And I thought I'd get to the bottom of it and invite the three, I suppose you're the founder members, um, the core of this, uh, this project. We have um, Butch Vig. Hi, Steve. How are you? And thanks uh, so much for having us today. This is going to be fun. Great. Well, I certainly hope so. And uh, some of the music that you've chosen will, will be interesting for some of our listeners as well. And, uh, and there's James Grillo. Hi, James. Hi, Steve. How are you? Thanks for having us. And Andy Jenks. Hi, Andy. Hello, Steve. Lovely to see you again. Hope you're well. So, yeah, let, let's start. I mean, as I said, it's a, it's a fantastic album. It's your second record. Why I thought we'd get you together now um, was it's going to be released on vinyl. Um, on Make Records. Uh, have you got a release date lined up for it yet? We don't because um, there's a backup sort of queue at all of the vinyl pressing plants because vinyl's, you know, in such a resurgence at the moment. So we think uh, three, possibly four months is going to be, is that's how long it's going to take. Um, but it's going to be a gatefold, um, uh, double vinyl. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, we're, we're excited. But, yeah, we can't say exactly a nor can the label. Okay. Uh, just everybody's going crazy for vinyl. So it's um, you just get in the queue. We sent the masters off a couple of weeks ago. Um, and, uh, yeah, watch this space. Well, we're certainly looking forward to it. I reckon it's going to sound great on vinyl. So I, I said I first... Um heard about the band it was all back in in 2015 when i interviewed ebert lundberg over in sweden the singer of the soundtrack of our lives and he mentioned this sort of um <laughs> this project he was involved with uh obviously butch you're out in um california and andy and james are over here in the uk and he saying that it was this collaboration of various musicians and um and singers and, and i was intrigued and then uh, i got a sneak preview of the debut album which was uh, was fantastic so i was wondering how did the three of you meet you know i mean you're all obviously from different backgrounds how did you all meet and decide to to form a, a band together well, I met James in Southampton in about 1983, 1984. He was DJing at a club called The Tumbling Cat, which I used to go to and used to play crazy music like nobody else was, I'd ever heard, you know, music no one had ever heard. And, um, and we just ended up going back to a party one night and staying up all night talking about children's TV themes and just thought, I think that's a marriage made in heaven. And we've been best mates and talked about music every day since. So, yeah. And yeah, I, I, met, I met James when I was in New York City on tour with my band Garbage. Uh, through a mutual friend, Toby Amis, who at the time was a MTV DJ or VJ. And uh, Toby, uh, we, we went to meet Toby for breakfast. And uh, he, he said, do you mind if I bring my friend James along? And, and we're like, sure. And so I sat next to James. And um, my initial impression of him was he can be a bit obnoxious. <laughs> and I think part of it was because they'd been up partying all night. You know, so they were wickedly hung over um but we just hit it off right away we started talking about film and music and and restaurants and wine you know we're, we're huge uh, wine fanatics that's a big part of 5bid um anyway um about six months later i got a call uh, and james said I'm, I'm coming to la can i stay at your house and again i only met the guy once <laughs> but we we have since become fast friends um 
uh, every year my family goes to England and, and hangs out with James's family, or, he, or they come here to, to Los Angeles. And that's how I met Andy, through James. And uh, so that's kind of, you know, just meeting each other as, uh, as friends is really how the, how the band eventually formed. I mean, were you aware of, say, Andy's work, his music before? I mean, musically, or was it just the fact that you were you become friends first and then you sort of found out about each other's music afterwards. Well, I knew of the band Alpha, but I didn't know that Andy was involved with it. And I knew the whole Bristol scene. Mm. Um, it wasn't until James introduced me and then I found out that, you know, he'd been in a bunch of bands as well as a producer and engineer. And uh, so it's, it's cool. Uh, the way 5BID has sort of evolved, it's really through um, friends and connections you know, uh, it's not, you know, like some bands start by looking up an advert in a, in a newspaper, you know, bass player wanted. And then and, and sometimes that works, but this just all evolved kind of naturally because of our love of music. Yeah. How did you decide to sort of get together and form a group? Uh, you know, it, it really started, and, and correct me if I'm wrong here, gents, we saw a screening of the Thomas Crown Affair and we're discussing our love of film soundtracks. And at some point... I sort of remember challenging James to like, why don't you come up with some ideas? Let's start a, a, a band, you know, sort of based on a soundtrack to a B movie, probably starring Michael Caine. <laughs> and, um, and James came up with a little, uh, a segment from a song. Again, correct me if I'm wrong here, James. I think it was David Cassidy, a weird like B side to some David Cassidy song. And, and what he liked about it was there was this acoustic guitar, sort of folk, slightly psychedelic. It had tremolo on it. And he just liked the vibe of that. So we came up with it, or I came up here in L.A. with just a little, like a two or four bar loop um, like that. And and uh, that became the start for Traveling. That was the first song that we recorded. Yeah. And uh, right away, uh, we looped Andy in because we knew he's a, a, a brilliant keyboard player. A lot of uh, the 5BID songs have a lot of cool, spacey keyboards. And uh, so Andy then took it and started working on it and put a, a bunch of tracks on it. We started ping-ponging back and forth. And then we originally were just writing instrumental music and thought, well, maybe we should bring a singer on board. And so Andy asked Helen to sing, and, and like a couple of days later, she sang the track and, and then... That was the song, the first song that kind of uh, put a spark. Oh, great. Well, that's a good opportunity. Let, let's play Traveling. Um, this uh, appears on your, your debut album. Well, let's hear it.
And great, that was Five Billion in Diamonds and, and Travelling, the sort of first song that you composed together as a group. And um, it's interesting, you mentioned there was originally an instrumental idea, wasn't it? Because when you were talking about the soundtracks, it all sort of makes sense now. What was influencing you when you started off? I think um, a lot of it comes from our sort of the, the, uh, all of us sort of trying to find sort of, you know, listen to music that doesn't sort of, music from the edge of the universe where, you know, just kind of lost records and, you know, things that you just find in flea markets. And so a lot of stuff comes from just kind of sort of digging as deeply as possible when it comes to sort of looking for, looking for new music. But I think there's a common thread, which is just a kind of, it's got a kind of all the music that we're kind of into, into with 5 billion is, is it's got a psychedelic edge, whether it's kind of psychedelic folk or lounge or rock or Christian or anything sort of thing. So I think there's, there's a sort of common thread going through all the influences of, of the music, which is why it's not just sort of, you know, it's not monosyllabic. It's very kind of, yeah, very expansive in its influences. Yeah, so I think Andy and I have always DJed anyway. So we've always been crate diggers. As DJs looking for, not just for beats, you know, we were just looking for just the interesting soundtrack stuff. And as Andy said, strange stuff strange sounding singles and old folk records and weird jazz records and i that was probably what because andy and butch are both really talented musicians i am not but i've dj'd since i was sort of 18 and i and so i kind of brought the dj sensibility to it and and so lots of samples and ideas for sounds and yeah and also in a way just by my ignorance of the and not being a musician i was able to go hey, let's just do this and let's do that without thinking about what, you know, how, how hard that may actually be to do. And in a way, I think I saw an interview with Andy Weatherall and he was talking about that when he started making music, he was a DJ. And so in a way, it's kind of liberating because you're just, you're just like, yeah, let's do that. Let's make it sound like that. Let's do this. And, just, and, that, and so that's how, and then Andy and Butch, luckily are very talented musicians and they're able to translate what I hear in my head in, into the music. Yeah. Well, do you want to give, I mean, you've given us a couple of these sort of um, examples of, of something, not to say influence as such, but some of the music you might have been listening to at the time. So should we go through a couple of them? I mean, you've got um, quite obscure stuff here. I mean, Jimmy Spiris, uh, where did you, where did this one come from? I can't, I found Jimmy Spiris. I can't honestly remember how or, or when or why, but was just mesmerized and, and, and frankly kind of astounded that nobody really, I'd not really heard of him before. And we were definitely vibing on that, his stuff a lot when we were, when we were, we were putting the first album together. He, I don't know a lot about him. Um, I've got a couple of albums by him, but uh, I Am The Mercury, which is on, forgotten the name of the album now. <laughs> you might be able to, to know that, Steve, but um, it's astonishing. There's a couple of tracks on that album that are just uh, beautiful. And as I said, you know, just people, people should hear it. So when, when we knew we were going to do this with you, we were one of the, th- the I mean, these are, these are tracks that influenced us, but also these are tracks that we want people to hear. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Well, let, let's hear it. Let's hear. This is 1972 Columbia record single, actually. It's, uh, it's a great bit of folk and it's I Am The Mercury, Jimmy Spiris. I have been bought, I have been sold in a city I've dined with the demons and I drank of their fear Cradle my heart in a home coming. 
Next up, we've got another um, intriguing bit of, uh, well, I suppose it's psychedelic folk. Um, can you tell us about this? All I know about this record is it's kind of like another one of those great lost folk albums that kind of, I think I think somebody, it's been recently reissued, I think, if, um, am I right in thinking that, James? Has it been has somebody? I, I think Light in the Attic may have done it, but um, but, but that was recently. I mean, we've had, I don't, I don't know where we got our copies from, but we've had it a long time, haven't we? Yeah. I mean, this is part of the joy of kind of, that, you know, like I say, just sort of, you know, going to the edges of the universe for looking for for music because the you know there's music as good as anything that anyone's ever heard that no one's ever heard and it's kind of and it's still exciting and it's a constantly exciting thing to, to you know to be finding unknown pleasures so this is linda perhax and shimmer come rain in the soak of leaves and the needle tufts and fall in the grasses and reeds and the spilling over stone No. 
That's great. And that, that was from the uh, 1970 album Parallelograms. And your next choice is something that's, again, when I was researching this one, this was a classic. This is Ramesses. Apparently, he, he originally, initially, he was Barry Frost from Sheffield. That's it. <laughs> he then became Ramesses, the Egyptian pharaoh. <laughs> and... Uh, a great story here. Um, tell us about Ramesses, because it is an intriguing story. Uh, yeah, so Ramesses is um, an English... I think he'd been a soldier. I think he'd been in the army, uh, from memory, and then became, uh, and then sort of went a bit crazy and decided that he was either an Egyptian pharaoh or descended from an Egyptian pharaoh and made two albums. Um, the first album, it, this Nerd Alert, was with... Uh, fledgling 10cc as his backing band i believe and yeah. then the second album which this track comes from has got a great cover with him sort of walking striding the universe full of stars i think um but this track is so good and we played it so much and i personally <laughs> almost cried because i didn't think we'd ever make anything as good as this track when we were even when we were making music and happy with it um, I loved it so much. And yeah, it's, it, and then he disappeared. Um, both albums are great. Uh, the second album uh, uh, that this song comes from is, is, is they're, they're both great. They were both reissued in a, in a box set again uh, uh, a couple of years ago. Um, highly recommended and uh, yeah, brilliant stuff. Well, let's hear Ramesses or, or Barry Frost from Sheffield and Long, Long Time from the Glass Top Coffin album from 1975. So I, I do like that story of, um, of Ramesses. It's a great track. You know. I can just imagine him walking around Sheffield with his uh, with his robes and shaven head and that, you know. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> that go down well in Yorkshire. Yeah, yeah. And this is a nice one that you've chosen because um, rather than go for a band as such, you've chosen something from the BBC Radiophonic Workshop, which I can sort of see in your music now. You know, with um, you're talking about all the atmospherics and the, the sort of soundtrack feel to your your sound. Um, this was a sort of sound effect section of the BBC, um, doing incidental music, theme tunes like Doctor Who theme. Uh, and you've picked a track here. I mean, this, this is a great bit of sort of, that's a, almost like a jazzy sort of funky track, isn't it? You know, and uh, so they weren't just doing sound effects. Why did you pick one of their songs or pieces of music? Um, 
I think I think the BBC Radio Phonic Orchestra is just one of those sort of collection of crazy boffins that kind of that almost couldn't exist in any other country. It just seems like this really weird kind of you know when the BBC was still in kind of white coats and and um, you know people you know just people just sort of making instruments and making noises from hitting things, making experimental music you know with fee payers license money. And the studio we record at in Bristol is an old BBC Radio Drama studio and. Um, what I have to do there is make sound effects for radio plays and stuff. So it's kind of, so it's all, it's all, you know, you know, all of this stuff comes into all our, all our influences. So some, and they, they just made some amazing music. Yeah. Steve, you kind of hit the nail on the head because when we're working on a track, um, at some point, James will say, we need to five BID it more. And that means Andy needs to play more BBC radiophonic keyboards. And there are a lot of those little spacey, whirly textural things that almost get kind of 3D in the track. And we love that. We, we love that kind of part of the arrangements when we're working on songs. So that's, that's kind of a big influence on the band. Yeah, I can imagine. Because, I mean, when you think they started in, sort of started up in the late 50s and using like electronic music, theremins and all this strange stuff. I mean, they might, you know, quite underrated in terms of their, I suppose, their innovation with, with electronic music. I, I think Andy's right. And, and Butch has said it as well about the Christchurch. And that is that when we work there, we always imagined sort of men in white lab coats. Yeah. twiddling knobs because it did used to be a bbc studio yeah so so it's there even subliminally never mind the fact that it's also a brilliant musical reference point that's true and you've gone for a track um vespucci tell us about this yeah it's on the fourth dimension album isn't it so right, okay. that's the one. Yeah, yeah. you know this this was uh one of the holy grails for dj steve over the years was to get that get the BBC Radiophonic Workshop Fourth Dimension album and it's got a fantastic cover as well um, and, and that's that's the album that the track's from and, and and in fact Andy does have that record and that's why we're playing it. Let's hear the BBC Radiophonic Workshop and Vespucci. And then you've gone for a bit of Krautrock. You've gone for Faust. 
uh, and Flashback Caruso from their Faust Tapes album, 1973. This is um, this is again quite an unusual one because it is more laid it's more laid back than a lot of what we might imagine to be that classic motoric kraut rock sound, isn't it? So, were Faust and, and sort of kraut rock an influence on the band as well? Yes, um, very much. Kraut rock. We're all big kraut rock fans. Um, Faust. I remember hearing the Faust tapes. Um, which was a Virgin album for that was 99p, I think, from memory. It was kind of precursor to that Cherry Red Pillows and Prayers um, album. Uh, and I don't think they were separate tracks. I think it just played through as one track. And I remember from uh, this sort of, as you said, sort of um, typical kraut rhythm, um, kraut rock beat track, suddenly emerging this acoustic guitar, this really pretty motif, and then it expands and the keyboards come in and it's very, it's very us really. I mean, it's kind of, we've got a, we've got a saying in the band now, you know, we say that's really five bit and it's just like, there's something about our musical identity and our DNA that's built from all of these different elements. And yes, Faust is definitely a part of that. But I mean, yeah, we love Can and Noi and Eamon Dool and Ashra Temple and Andrean Dream. And Steady. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can be too eclectic sometimes, can't you? You know. <laughs> well, let's hear Faust and Flashback Caruso. When you leave your place And walk in someone other's garden Certainly you see it's a woman color in your mind to be And then another thing that I know I, I sort of mentioned again, we've touched on earlier when I first heard Five Billion Diamonds was it was very cinematic and very soundtrack orientated music, you know, and um, you mentioned that you were initially going to be purely just instrumental. Was it something that you were looking at? Were you sort of more, more interested in doing film music at the, at the very beginning? I don't know that we specifically were writing music for a film, but we did sort of have an imaginary idea in our head. I think I mentioned this earlier, maybe it would be a Michael Caine B movie, you know, that came out in the late sixties. Yeah. Um, 
you know, there's so many different styles of, uh, of scores that really work within the context of films. Uh, we had just have a huge list of uh, influential composers. Uh, after we saw the Thomas Crown Affair, I mean, that's what kind of got us inspired. And I mean, Michelle Legrand, that soundtrack is amazing. And I have to say, for me, a bar, if we could write a song as good as Windmills of Your Mind, that is like one of the most gorgeous, haunting songs ever, you know. And so there's, uh, that's like one aspect of what 5BID could become. Yeah, you've gone through some, some interesting sort of um, soundtrack choices here. So you've gone, I mean, sort of John Barry, again, you haven't gone for one of his obvious tracks. You know, you've gone for the theme tune to Mary Queen of Scots, the 1971 Vanessa Redgrave movie, which, again, if I'm thinking John Barry, you know, I, I suppose I should trust you to come up with the, with the oddball, the curveball. Why this one? Um, I think um, uh, we're all John Barry disciples. So, uh, you know, there's pretty much everything he's done has been amazing. It's strange because when I heard the soundtrack to Mary Queen of Scots was when I watched the film. So if you imagine the soundtrack, you imagine some kind of courtly music, but actually it's one of, the, one of his most beautiful pieces. And so I, I, I watched the, accidentally caught the film on television on a Sunday or a Saturday afternoon, I think, on BBC Two and heard it. But I guess the watching the movie and hearing the music thing is, is, is another thing that's kind of important to us because it's like we, while we're working, while we're working together and when we're together, we're constantly watching movies. Well, let's hear a snippet from Mary's theme from the movie Mary, Queen of Scots. And then you've gone for another theme tune um, by Richard Rodney Bennett, and this is Anya's theme in the Ken Russell movie of um, Len Dayton's sort of thriller, A Billion Dollar Brain, um, which featured Michael Caine as Harry Palmer. Are you a big fan of the sort of spy movie genre? Yeah, it's kind of, again, just some great film. It's, you know, sometimes when great films and great music come together, it's a, it's a beautiful thing. The thing that we love about soundtracks and about the approach to soundtracks is about the kind of the massive atmosphere that you get from it. And I think there's so many different ways of approaching it. What One thing that Butch is incredible at doing is getting the kind of cinematic expanse, the sonic expanse, but without using, you know, without going straight to using strings and, and choirs and using all the, sort of, all the traditional sort of places that you go to by using kind of, you know, band instruments and, and different keys and stuff and just creating something that's completely cinematic but without sounding, you know, steeped in any kind of period. And I think that, you know, there's, there's so many different angles to film music. Yeah, well, that's, a, that's a good point. So let's hear Anya's theme.
And Butch, you mentioned earlier Michel Legrand, the French composer and jazz pianist, and uh, another a, a great film in the Thomas Crown Affair. A uh, great uh, Norman Jewison movie uh, featuring Steve McQueen and Faye Dunaway. And, and this is a great piece of music as well. And it, you mentioned Windmills, Windmills of Your Mind, which was you won an Oscar for, apparently, for the, for the song. Um, but you've gone for um, His Eyes, Her Eyes from the, the Thomas Crown Affair. Yeah, I think there's something about his use of instrumentation that kind of can sound slightly exotic, but also very bittersweet. You know, it, it works on a bunch of different levels. Sometimes it can almost sound a little haunting and romantic. I think it's just how we hear the music, how he puts the that particular soundtrack together in this particular song. Um, we can hear that sort of approach and bringing that into some of the five BID songs. You know, again, it's sort of touching what I, Andy said it's not just necessarily a John Williams big string section you know there's a lot of really there's a lot of subtlety and space in, in what he does too and I think that's a big part of what we try to try to also do in uh, the Five Billion Diamond songs Fantastic well let's hear the, the Michel Legrand and his eyes her eyes And this was one, James, that you mentioned. We, we chatted on the phone about this one. And um, it's Lost in Space by Jeff Bridges, or the dude from The Big Lebowski. Um, this is um, a great song. You know, I wasn't really so sure about his musical career, but it seems like he's, he's actually quite a serious muso. You know, he was signed to um, Blue Note Records, I think, as well, at some point. And, um, and he's done this great track, uh, Lost in Space, from the soundtrack of John and Mary. Uh, and uh, this is great, James. I mean, tell us about this one. Well, I think Andy should tell you about this song because it's An Andy discovered this tune and played it to me and almost blew my mind because it sounds like an air track or something. But anyway, yeah, Andy, this is yours. This was another um, French flea market sort of record find. I've never seen the film again. I've never done anything about the film. The film stars Dustin Hoffman and Mia Farrow. And um, it's a Quincy Jones soundtrack. Some couple of amazing tracks called Maybe Tomorrow, uh, kind of a choral version. It's just a fantastic soundtrack and, and just with a strange spaced out Jeff Bridges track that comes from nowhere. It's just, an just one of those incredible finds, you know, to know nothing more about it other than it's a, it's a killer track. And it does sound, like James says, it, it sounds like it could be a lost air track. It's one of those kind of timeless, timeless magical tracks. Um, Butch and I DJed in a bar in Los Angeles 
that was it last year, Butch? Um, uh, it was it was late 2019. Yeah, last year that was a lost year. We're just going <laughs> to cross that off the calendar. Write that one off. Yeah, and um, so yeah, we did it with uh, some guys that um, Butch knows. What 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 do they call themselves when? Uh, uh, Brian from Silverstone Pickups. Uh, he and his friend have a, a a DJ band. It's all film soundtracks. They call themselves Underscore. That's it. And, and they um, they invited us to do a slot with them, and and this was one of the tracks that we played, and it was great to like. And, and it was a hot, balmy night in Los Angeles, and we had films projected onto us, and we and um, this was one of the tracks that we dropped. Right. Well, let's hear let's hear Jeff Bridges and Lost in Space. was a great track that was lost in space by jeff bridges from the soundtrack of john and mary and then you've gone for probably the the master of the, the horror i suppose he's most most known for the sort of horror soundtrack themes john carpenter and you've gone for the theme from the fog as a classic sort of horror theme tune well you could go pick almost any john carpenter in a way he sort of pioneered the use of electronics in um you know, since in uh, in his films, I mean, starting with Halloween, which is still to this day one of the most brilliant soundtracks ever. We could have gone for something from Assault on Precinct 13 or uh, even one of my favorite 
of his films is the thing. I mean, the remake he did of that is one of the most terrifying yeah. movies I've ever seen. Um, but we, yeah, we picked uh, the fog because I think there's a kind of a subtlety in the score that he does with this. And again, it's the use of electronics that uh, creeps into a lot of five BID songs. And so we just thought it would be appropriate to uh, play some John Carpenter. Well, let's hear John Carpenter, the theme from the fog. There's a lot of these sort of um, composers, Walter Carlos, the Clockwork Orange soundtrack, you know, that were doing a lot of electronic music that probably doesn't get a lot of um, you know, enough credit for its influence on into rock music and pop music, personally. Yeah, and, and someone like Giorgio Moroder, who did uh, Midnight Express, also a brilliant, brilliant soundtrack. You know, it's funny because film scores originally started out, they were very much using orchestras and you know you have a wide variety of instruments so you can do incredible scores but in the 60s and 70s it started you know a lot of a lot of different styles and genres started to creep into scores that became acceptable you know rock bands and, and folk music and uh, almost sort of victorian goth uh instrumentation and then the, and the electronics started uh, creeping in and of course in today's pop production electronics our synthesizers are everywhere you know that's a big part of uh, hip-hop and r&b and you know everyone uses them yeah that's true well it's great to look at some of your cinematic influences on the music and um now I'd like to touch on some of your well, special guests, I suppose, you know, you could call them, your, your many and varied um, contributors to Five Billion in Diamonds. And uh, this is something that, that, that again, was interests me, how you decided to um, work with these people. Because I said, touched on the people that we already know, like Ebert Lundberg from Swedish Psych Rockers Soundtrack of Our Lives. You've uh, worked with Damien O'Neill from The Undertones. Um, he does a lot of atmospheric music and he adds some of his guitar to your, your sound. How did you meet Damien? Uh, well, I, I've been friends with Damien for a long time. That ties in with the, I think we were going to talk about the album cover that was done by Chris Packham, um, who's a, a friend of mine who I, we used to share a flat together 20, year, 20 years ago. And I met Damien because Billy from The Undertones is a big wildlife photographer and he had written to Chris and Chris and I were best mates. And then he said, I'm Billy, I'm from The Undertones and I'm really into your photography. And Chris said, oh, well, I'm, I'm a massive fan of The Undertones and I saw you in 1979 at Southampton University. And they invited us and we went over to Dublin and that's when I met when I met the guys and yeah just became fast friends really and then obviously um, I've always followed them around a huge fan 
and you know through that Andy and Butch have also got to know the guys as well because if they're ever around and the undertones are playing I think we Butch and I went to see that Petrol Emotions last ever re, when they reformed they played in New York and we happened to be in New York it's just before Christmas so yeah we've we, we've been friends with Damien for a long time and um, we knew about all the other stuff he did and anyway even if he didn't do anything else he's an amazing guitarist and yeah. we definitely knew that we, we wanted to do it but um, I think um, yeah Andy can probably jump in at this point but it, yeah it's very much uh, uh, the starting point for it I think his friends isn't it Andy? Yeah definitely I mean um, as, as, when it comes to the music I mean we, we can maybe move on to the singers in a bit but when, when it comes to the musicians and the and the, and the, the people we've got involved it's all people it's all our mates really and it's kind of and it's a really important thing to sort of work with friends that we all we all love and we all you know I mean I've been lucky enough to do a lot of stuff with with Sean Cook, Damien, Damon Reese, and um, Alex Lee for a long time in Bristol and different bands like The Flies, and um, we just do a lot of different projects together at various times. And they're just the mo- you know they're the most incredible musicians. We're absolutely blessed to be able to call on them, and they can come and sort of you know they come and record on all our stuff, and it's, it's just a, a blessing. And as James said, it's, it's friends, and it's all it's all good. It's a good way of working. Yeah, I mean, it's good. I, I know, noticed you worked with Alex, Alex Lee. I, I was a, been a massive fan of Blue Airplanes, another Bristol band. And uh, from, from the early days, I, I've been seeing them live over the years and they're ever, ever evolving lineups, you know. And he's a great guitarist, isn't he? You know, I mean, he's. Yeah, he's amazing. I'm one of only four people in Bristol that hasn't been in the Blue Airplanes, I think. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I mean, you've you've been working with some great people. You said Damon and, and Sean. We worked with Spiritualize and Goldfrap and um, many others. And um, as I said Alex Lee there. He's worked with Suede as well. Strange Love. And uh, it's it's a great base you've got there as a band. And then you sort of invite these sort of guest vocalists, I suppose, isn't it? But let's let's start off with our our mutual mate Ebert Lundberg again. How did you meet Ebert? So, so first of all, I think probably there's an, definitely an element of dream team about the band for us. So you know, it's it's like once we started doing it and then we realized we weren't gonna keep it an instrumental thing and that we were maybe gonna do singers then we just you know just wrote up a dream list of people that we wanted to work with and then um butch i think butch describes it as bum rushing um them what was an american expression but basically that just means that we got drunk and barged into their dressing room at a gig generally <laughs> and um, it works it, it works really well too steve let me tell you it works pretty damn well we are huge soundtrack well eyes fans first of all yeah absolutely you know seen them lots of times whenever i've been able to and butch garbage were playing at a festival called holtzred in sweden oh yeah Holtzred, yeah uh, up on the lake yeah and they were playing and um, the day after the soundtrack of our lives and so like as soon as i saw that we latched onto it so I think I flew out to Stockholm, met Butch, and then Garbage were travelling up on a tour bus that day because they weren't playing until the next day. But we wanted to see Soundtrack Our Lives, so we got on a train early in the morning, Butch, wasn't it? And then we took a couple of I bought a couple of bottles of really good Sauvignon Blanc, which is our go-to New, New Zealand Sauvignon Blanc. Cloudy Bay, I believe it was, actually, wasn't it? It and, was. Uh, we got the train up early, uh, and when we arrived at the festival, they told us that we couldn't take the wine in with us. Um, and Butch said, well, I'm playing tomorrow, etc. It, uh, uh, it Just in a kind of, you know, I am an artist, so I'm not just a punter. And they said, so what? <laughs> so we basically stood outside the gate of the festival and drank two bottles of wine <laughs> because we weren't prepared to throw away expensive wine because of the, for the sake of bureaucracy. And as a result of which, when we got in the festival, we were fairly buzzed, shall we say. 
Uh, and so, and then we saw Ebert in the VIP area. So we basically just assaulted him and just said, hey, we're here to see you, la, 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 la. And that's how we met him. I, I, I remember him sort of rustling about in a carrier bag with bits of paper yeah. as my first impression of him. And obviously his, his great bearded rock godness as well. And then, bizarrely, sometime after that, a few months later, I was in L.A. with Birch and we were recording and we decided to go and spend a, do a road trip and go to San Diego for the weekend with our families. And um, we found out that a version of Love with Johnny Eccles was playing there and Michael Stewart, the drummer from Forever Changes, was playing drums with them. Um, and it was basically the band that Arthur Lee had taken. He died by then, of course, but it was, it was the band that he had taken on tour. And Ebert was singing, he sang a couple of songs with them. And, and then after that show, having established a relationship and met him before, we talked about our band. Anyway, that's, uh, and then pretty shortly after that, you know, he, he was in. He flew over and he'd written some lyrics. And, you know, when he's, he's been a massively valued member of the band and also a great friend since, you know. And I, I, well, you know him, Steve, and he's a real character as well, so. Yeah. Yeah, you know, just uh, touching on Ebbett, I remember when he sang uh, one of the first tracks that we finished um, was Gravity Rules, and I think Andy or James found a 7-inch from this obscure French band, Les Enfants Trables, and it has that little chimey start. And if you listen closely, in the background, there's these people going, they're either warming up or doing something, and I just, to me, it sounded like, they were saying gravity rules, gravity rules. So I told that to Evan. He goes, oh, yes, I can write some lyrics about gravity rules. And then he wrote this brilliant song, and he did all those gorgeous back vocals. And mm-hmm. So it's just really interesting how how it all sort of fell together, you know. Yeah. Well, it's, uh, it's interesting because, I mean, we we first met Andy and James at the gig I put on forever. It was his debut solo London show, wasn't it? The Half Moon in Putney, and we, we first met there. And I've done a couple of shows over in, in the UK. But, I mean, he's a great vocalist and um, great character. And I, I think he adds a lot to your music, you know, because he's so versatile. He, he's brilliant. He bounces off the walls when you work with him. So There's never a dull moment when you're working with Ebert in the studio. It's always a kind of, <laughs> it's a, it's a, it's a, long, a long journey and a long night involved, and it's always, it's always great. But also we, we went down to um, Press Play Studios and with my friend rock photographer Paul Slattery and we did some nice pictures of you um, when, when Ebert was recording some vocals down there for the debut album. That, that was fantastic to see him working down there and we got some great shots, which... You can find on retromanblog.com. I'll put some links up to the feature to go along with this podcast with all the various things we've done on Ebert and Five Billion in Diamonds. And so there's some great pictures by Paul Slattery. Um, so you, you've done a little composite, which thank you very much for this edit, which is uh, which is lovely mix of some examples of some of the peop- uh, people that you've worked with. Let's hear this and then we'll, we'll go through a couple more of the people that you've, uh, that you've roped in to help you out. Thank you. 
You say you've been uptight That you can't tell your left from your right But you say you'll be alright But your eyes betray your fright can hardly give it Today, for a second life. 
It's a it's a medley of uh, some of our singers and the bands they are in or have been in, and uh, it was fun to do. Just listening to it um, makes me realize when we one of the reasons that we reach out to the singers is because James touched on this. We are fans, hmm. and uh, so if you you know if you reach out to someone who you just have an appreciation for the music that they make with their other bands, I think that's a really good first step as to as to why you think you could collaborate together. Yeah, the first track on there is, uh, well, Andy and Helen's band, Alpha, and uh, uh, just an amazing, amazing sounding song. I, you know, I could only put like a minute together of each song, but I think it kind of gets to the to the essence of that song. There's, a, again, there's just a glorious kind of space in some of the instrumentation and the way the, the drums come in and just the feel of the track, you know, that's very much, uh, I mean, I can hear that in, in some of the Five Billion and Diamonds songs. Yeah. The second track you heard in that medley was the Ocean Blue, It Never Just Might. Um, an interesting story about how we hooked up with David Scheltzel. I got a call from James and he said, the Ocean Blue is playing at a club 10 minutes from your house on Saturday. And he literally got on a plane and flew from England to LA on Friday. We went and saw David play Saturday and then James flew back to London on Sunday. Now that's kind of crazy, <laughs> but the same thing kind of happened. We walked down the hill and we had several cocktails and, uh, and the ocean blue sound, they still sound amazing. If you get a chance to see them play live, they're really, really good. And David's still totally on point. His new album also really good. And we just hung out by the dressing room after the show. And, uh, you know, after having a few cocktails, you get a little bit of, uh, you know, confidence and we just burst in and said david you guys were great you sounded awesome hey you want to join our band and he's like what huh <laughs> he said i guess so and uh within a couple of weeks he was uh, recording with us so that's that's how we do it. we just bum rush people yeah. <laughs> it does help to have butch big in your band though <laughs> <laughs> the third song in our little snippet medley is by the free design called daniel dolphin james do you want to uh Give everybody a little story about how we met Sandra. Oh, okay, I think, yeah. you email, I think you emailed her out of the blue, right? Because we're huge. Yeah, I didn't even, I didn't tell the guys because I thought I didn't know if it was going to work. So I didn't even mention it to Andy and Butch. But we were working on uh, the final track for the first album and we decided we wanted a Kraut synthesizer vibe to it. This is Glider from the first album. Uh, but also a free design kind of vocal and to combine the two things. And then we talked about that and agreed that we thought that conceptually that was a good idea. And then I just thought, well, if we're going to do a free design track, why don't I see if I can get the singer from the free design who, if people don't know, are the, the, this amazing kind of harmony, sort of Baroque fifth dimension uh, band, very culty band, uh, huge in Japan, I think. And Thankfully, a lot of their stuff's been reissued now and a box set's just come out of their albums. Uh, they were a family, so there were two sisters and a brother, Chris Dedrick, who was the arranger and the arrangements are, are stunning and complex and interesting and beautiful. Without telling Andy and Birch, I just found Sandra. She is living in Canada and she had her own website and she was, she was doing painting and photography and still doing music and then I sort of listened to what she was doing to see if she could still sing. She sounded great. So I just sent an email to her saying, and then I remember driving with my late father to a rugby match at Twickenham, actually. And I got this email just pinged into my inbox and it was from Sandra. And she said, Hey, you know, and yes, I love the song. So I said, we sent, I sent her the track. We didn't, you know, I didn't just say, Hey, do you want to work with us? Yes, I'd love to. And I was, my heart nearly burst. And, and then, you know, obviously then I told Butch and Andy and they had no idea because I didn't want to tell them just in case it was an epic fail. 
And then we arranged to meet her in Madison in Wisconsin, which is Butch's hometown, and record with her. We booked some studio time. And she is 74. She is a lovely, very distinguished lady. And I arranged to meet her in the hotel bar. And she came and she this delightful and she's still absolutely stunningly gorgeous that evening butch had organized a benefit concert for um joey's song yeah it was, it was, it was yep. a benefit concert and we we wanted sandra to join us and sing and she didn't really know you know she barely knew james and me she just met us and uh i think it was uh, probably a little overwhelming um for her to come up on stage and, and sing with us you know just on the spot but a lot of the musicians from madison freaked out when they found out that she was there. Oh my God, Sandra from the Free Design is here? Are you kidding me? I mean, it was like they were all bowing down. It was fantastic for her because they all just, they were like, Did you, are you reworking and where is she? And they were just all bowing down before her backstage. So that was wonderful for her. And then the next day we went in the studio with her. She had charted all the stuff out that we'd written. And we, we did um, the song with her. And then we got her to do some backing vocals on Lost in lost in the sea from the first record she was great and it was a kind of one of those pinch me i'm dreaming they were in the studio with with her and i still almost can't believe it now andy and i were talking about it last christmas and just saying you know how did that happen but we just reached out to her and then you know it, she she came and she was great i mean she's we tried to get her to sing on the new record she's retired from singing she told me which is fine she's allowed to She's done enough amazing singing in her life and she's just playing the piano and taking photographs and she lives in Ottawa and she is a wonderful human being and she was great. Yeah, and I think that's the last singing she'll ever do as well, sadly, but it's great that she did it with us. The fourth track in our little snippet medley is by the soundtrack of our lives, one of the greatest rock bands ever, um, featuring Ebbett Lundberg on vocals and that track was called Second Life Replay and... Uh, an amazing song. If you hear uh, how Ebbett sings, he has this incredible power, but this vulnerability that comes through in his songs. And I think you can hear that in the Five Billion and Diamond songs. That's one of the things we like about his voice. He can be a rock guy, but he can also bring it down to a, yeah. a really, really emotional level. And uh, that's not easy for a lot of singers to do. The last track in our medley is by the British psychedelic rock band Temples, who we are huge fans of, and the song is called Certainty. We ended up getting to work with James Bagshaw. When we started writing one of the songs on the new album, Let It Get Away From You, it was sort of loosely inspired by Kevin Parker and Tame Impala, who we are also huge fans of. What we like about Tame Impala is, is Kevin Parker kind of mines references from the 80s and 70s, even in his earlier records, the 60s. And um, we had a chord progression, and uh, we're looking for someone who we thought we could collaborate with who could sort of give us a slightly bit of a Tame Impala vibe. And uh, James suggested um, James Bagshaw. And as it happened, uh, I was on tour with Garbage, and we, were, we had a day off in London, so... James reached out to Mr. Bagshaw, and he had lunch with us. And he is absolutely lovely. He looks like a full-on rock star, for one thing. He's just a super cool dude. And uh, so he said he was up for it. And I sent him the session with the instrumental uh, tracks that we had. And it was pretty uh, minimal. There was not a lot on it. And we thought he was just going to do vocals. But James sent back a file, and he did guitars, bass, drums, vocals, backing vocals, keyboards, synthesizers. He basically recorded the whole track. 
And uh, we kind of, you know, used what we had and what he had until we got into a, a mix mode where we felt it really worked. But uh, it's one of my favorite tracks on the record. I just think he he completely nailed it in terms of, uh, you know, what he brought to the song. As I said, he's, he's just a lovely guy and uh, an incredible musician. We're really lucky to uh, have been able to collaborate with him. Well, let's hear it. Let's hear fantastic track. I think this is one of Damien O'Neill's favorites as well from the album. Um, this is Let It Get Away From You. So with all the sort of um, guests and things involved, how, how, how's the songwriting process? I mean, do you 
involve them in the songwriting or is it a case of, as I said, you, you tend to go to them with these songs that are already sort of almost fully formed and say, please add your parts or do you involve them in the songwriting? Depends on the track, but very, very you know, so, so for instance, on the first record, Broken Wing, um, we had kind of come up with a basic, like the intro and the basic riff to that. And then Ebert actually sat in the studio at Christchurch in Bristol with a guitar with, with Alex Lee um, literally sitting opposite each other and then worked worked on the song on, on the riff and then Al played phenomenal guitar on it and then Ebert went away and um, and then just came back with these great lyrics I mean it's a great song we recorded the vocals with him in LA um, and I remember you know we worked hard with him you know in the studio and I tend to kind of tweak lyrically sometimes you know that's maybe part of my role is to Kind of work a little bit on the lyrics but it was pretty fully formed there are a few a few lines maybe that we changed but it's very much whatever brought to the song that just lifted it to the magical and um i you know i know you're a huge santrapolize fan and so are we but i personally think it may be ever's best ever vocal you know in terms of the sound so yeah we're enorm- enormously proud of that but it's very very very, very much a collaborative process and very you know very much like we couldn't have done it without all of the creativity that ever brought to it and also another thing to mention really i guess about the collaborators is people like ever um david james bagshaw they're all producers as well Mm. so they're not just singers they're not just band leaders they're not just guitarists they all produce their own stuff so when they come and work with us they also bring that kind of production savvy as well you know which maybe creates a bit more uh, dialogue shall we say around working but it's also you know a brilliant thing to bring because that yeah they get it you know they they do that anyway and so they they you know and and some of the creative decisions that Ebert's made and David's made and like Butt said James Bagshaw just was phenomenal on 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 the track that he worked on is because they bring a producer's sensibility to it as well as the singers yeah the first record really started from us writing sketches and a lot of times those would start with James finding a sample or a snippet of music to reference and then Andy and I would come up with these little loops. Mm. It could be a chord progression or a beat or a sonic thing and as we fleshed out the music uh, the singers had to sort of work their way into uh, what we already had Mm. and on Divine Accidents a lot of the songs were more sort of written tailor-made a little bit for the Singers, like when we wrote Into Your Symphony, we kind of had David in mind to sing that. And uh, Divine Accidents, we literally listened to some soundtrack of our lives, and we sort of listened to the tempos that that Abbott likes to sing to, and also the key. And then we sort of, we know he likes that sort of who strummy, fast acoustic guitar. So we kind of wrote some music tailor-made for him. And again, all the singers have a lot of free range just to do their own thing. Yeah. But I feel like there's more confidence on the new album because I really feel like the singers sort of got it easier. Mm. Whereas on the first record, we were all trying to find our way through the process of what Five Billion of Diamonds is going to become. And we definitely knew more what we were when we made Divine Accidents. Well, it's good what you said about Broken Wing because I did always love that song as well. You know, and it does showcase Everett's vocals perfectly. So um, let's hear it. Let's hear Five Billion of Diamonds with Everett vocals and Broken Wing. I am leaving you falling down again becoming too 
And so we mentioned that the new album is um, Divine Accidents is coming out on, on vinyl. And uh, for the lucky people that get hold of the vinyl, they, they're going to get a little bonus track as well. So um, a thin line. And this also features a couple of um, special guests. So can you tell us about this track? Well, we got a call from the label and they asked for uh, another bonus track for the vinyl. And um, we didn't really have any B-sides finished at that point, but I had some music I'd written in 6-8 and um, I immediately thought it could be cool to get a really super groovy drum track. And, and uh, I, my head went, uh, you know, I had this alarm go off and I said, I need to reach out to Jimmy Chamberlain from Smashing Pumpkins because I just, you know, I've worked with him in the past with Smashing Pumpkins and he's, he's so good and he's really good at playing those groovy drum beats with lots of grace notes on the snare drum. And um, we were under a, a real uh, time restriction. Um, we had like four or five days to come up with a track. So I wrote Jimmy and I sent him a little MP3 of just the, the progression I had. And when I woke up the next morning in my Dropbox, he'd already done the drum track. He did an incredible take on the drums. So I spent that afternoon putting some of the music, you know, getting it all synced up with his drums and then sent what I had to uh, uh, James and Annie to check out. And we didn't really know who was going to sing on the song. We, you know, we didn't have any, anyone in mind. And James suggested sort of doing it um, like a, an up with people style choir. So Andy and Helen did about 20 takes singing together. And I did about 20 takes here in my studio with uh, my daughter, Bo, my 15 year old daughter. And then so we ended up with like, I don't know, 35 or 40 tracks, and I just mixed them all together. <laughs> and it has that kind of choral effect, and I think it works really well with the song. It was a great idea by James to approach it from that point, because it's not really a pop song. Mm. It's sort of more of a mantra, and I think to hear it sung by like a choir um, gives it a lot of power. And uh, yeah. the end of the song, we sort of channeled a little ELP. Um, Jimmy plays these crazy badass drum fills, 
And I sort of channeled a little bit of Keith Emerson. I played a Moog solo over the last like 16 bars and uh, it was really, really fun. We touched on special guests. It must have been great having your daughter involved, Butch, which was, um, was it the first time she's appeared on, on record? Uh, you know, she actually sang some back vocals on a garbage track, um, Not Your Kind of People, when she was about seven years old, I guess, or eight years old. Um, she loves to sing, though. She doesn't really like pop music. She loves Five Billion and Diamonds. She listens to a lot of musicals. Um, James sends her a lot of playlists and, uh, you know, big band and swing and 40s music and uh, all those uh, girl groups from the 50s and uh, she, she was she was totally up for it and, and let me tell you she got her takes a lot faster than I got mine <laughs> great so she might be making another appearance then. <laughs> yeah she, she asked me she, she said dad am I going to get credit I said I think so I think we can probably put you in the credits on the record so yes. she, she's, she was excited to, to be part of it. She knows the band really well. She knows Andy and James really well. And I think it was really fun for her to do it. Yeah, but it's the royalty she should be worried about, not the credits. <laughs> <laughs> So that was A Thin Line, um, which is the bonus track on the Double Gate Fold album vinyl version of Divine Accidents, which is coming soon on Make Records. There's also a second bonus track on there. Andy, what was what's the name of the song? It's a song by Nico, right? Yeah, so James had the idea of doing uh, a cover of Nico's Wrap Your Trouble in Dreams um, and with Adam singing vocals. And uh, with, the, with the current predicament, we had to do it very, very remotely. So got together a, a rough track, Helen put down a vocal, sent it to Butch, Butch worked on the track and then sent the track back. We sent it to Helen Whitaker to play some flute and to Mary Latimore to play some harp and Butch mixed it. And yeah, it's great. It's a, it's a great, unusual version of a great track. Great. So that's all the more reasons to look forward to the to the new vinyl. So uh, can't wait for that. So what's next for Five Billion in Diamonds? Do you see it as an ongoing project? Is um, um, any any sort of um, ideas that you're already working on for the future? Any special guests that you've uh, got in mind? Well, just the other day we were talking and we already have some bare bones ideas for the third record and realized that... Uh, it's always good to start because the process can take quite a while. Part of it's that we live in different countries and everybody's also busy doing their other things. James pointed out if we could make every song as fast as a thin line, we could get their record done in two months. 
Um, <laughs> but that was under a lot of pressure uh, and, and luckily just kind of fell into place. But um, yeah, we'll probably start getting some ideas together, you know, over the next uh, four, five, six months. And uh, it's always best when we can work together. Like, as I said earlier, Steve, uh, my family comes over to England. Um, usually, I, we didn't make it this year because of COVID in 2020. Um, but I, I'm hoping that we'll be over there sometime this fall. And uh, usually what happens is we spend time hanging out as a family, but then uh, uh, James and I go up to Bristol for three or four days and we just knuckle down with our heads and come up with uh, ideas in, in, in Andy's studio, and which is just, it's fun. It's so much fun to do. So that's usually a springboard for a lot of the early songs. Uh, and the opposite is that they come over here to LA and we just work in my studio here. It's much faster and better when you're in the same room, when you can collaborate because you can make decisions instantly, feed off each other's energy. It's just more fun too. Unfortunately, sometimes we have to just file, you know, do file sharing because like I said, of our schedules and the, in the distance, but uh, yeah, we're, we're excited for a third record. We, we have no idea where it's going to go yet, but uh, we're, we're starting it pretty soon. We're really hoping to um, to be able to sort of get everyone in, in the same space for for a period of time, just to be able to get Helen, Ebert, David, Alex, and maybe Damon and Sean, possibly, and just as as many put many of us together in one in one place at one time for yeah. even a week, and just kind of bash some ideas out, and just have have a sort of solid bit of work. Because when when we all get together, whether it's the three of us or whether us and some singers or whatever there's so much it's a much quicker process much much quicker and much it just you know it just goes as fast as it should do you know and but then at the same time we're all getting more and more used to working at distance and i guess even more so now so we have you know so we're it's not it's not as if there's anything different for us working remotely so this is how we work anyway yeah that's a good point and uh so when when this sort of madness is all over and, and now you get the fun part is uh you're coming up with some ideas of who you can bum rush to to rope in for your for your next special guest vocalist have you got anyone in mind that you want to burst into their dressing room brandishing two bottles of wine i mean we're lucky because we worked with you know, like I said, it's pretty much been dream team for us anyway in terms of the people that we work with. But somebody I personally would really like to work with is Meg Baird, who was in a band called Espers. And Meg Baird has made some solo records and she's got this beautiful folk, but not trad folky kind of, as Andy said, that kind of psychedelic kind of folk thing. And I, I really, I'd love to work with her. And I we're at, coincidentally found out that she's best friends with Mary Lattimore, who's the amazing harpist that's played on our record. You know, maybe that was something that will be achievable. As I said, we, you know, most of the people that we wanted to work with, we've, we've kind of worked with. Um, Butch and I were talking last night and do, uh, are you familiar with Wayne Newton? Have you heard of Wayne Newton? He's fantastically well known in America. They called him Mis- Mr. Vegas and he had a huge hit. Was it in the late 50s, Butch, with Dankeschön? Yeah, late 50s, early 60s. Uh, I think Wayne Newton was 16 at the time and he's one of these performers who had a voice that sounded like a girl. He could play banjo and piano and guitar and trumpet and whatever. And Dankeschön was a massive worldwide hit. And uh, yeah, he is the king of Vegas. And uh, I, I worked together uh, with him on a film and uh, a film called Puppy Love, which is, I think, coming out um, this summer. And um, Five Billion Diamonds did a track for the soundtrack, a song called Cool Summer that uh, Five Billion Diamonds recorded the backing track. And Wayne Newton has a small part in the film. And um, and the director and producer asked me if, uh, if we'd like to record with Wayne. So uh, I went to Vegas and and recorded him, uh, his vocalist for Cool Summer, and it was so fun. And uh, I, I'm, I'm hoping that uh, 
that soundtrack's going to come out this summer, too, because uh, we, we wanted to actually, we thought about including it on the record, on Divine Accidents, but uh, the label for the soundtrack wants to keep that song for the soundtrack. So hopefully, fingers crossed, it'll be out this summer. Oh, great. Well, something else to look forward to. And so we'll hear a little bit of uh, Big Bad, uh, James. I, I think, um, like I said, you've chosen a track here. Um, I don't mind, so let's hear it. And let's uh, also hope that we get to hear her vocals on a future Five Billion in Diamonds album as well. Yes, please. Just And, you know, we're on the subject of special guests. I know we touched on this earlier, but I'm a big fan of Chris Packham, the eco-warrior, naturalist and TV presenter. And I'm a, I said I was, I, was a, I love what he does. And uh, obviously he's a massive punk rock fan. He's even done programs on it, documentaries on the TV. And I, I was surprised this one looking at his social media one day and he put a picture of the, the new album cover. And he said that he was involved in the, it was the photography or the, um, the, the album cover design. How, how did you get to... How did Chris Packham get involved as one of your special guests? So Chris and I have been friends for many years. We shared a flat together in Southampton in, uh, I think, probably very, very early 90s. I met him through working on a... 
BBC or TBS. Anyway, so a a natural history program on TV because that was something I used to be involved in doing. And then, um, uh, yeah, we would, you know, we've been mates for years. And when we did the first album, the image on the cover was this incredible image. You've probably seen it of a a person kind of ascending towards the light. It's actually a diver and it was taken by this incredible photographer called Alex Centine and he's from Canada. And we found the image and immediately knew that that was the one we wanted to use for the first record. So we approached him and then, you know, we obviously had to do a business arrangement with him, but he was really happy and he really liked the music and he's now a big fan of the band and we're still in touch. And then when we came to do the second album, the the first album is basically someone emerging from the light and it's from under the water. We decided we wanted to do the opposite and it was Helen, our singer's idea to do something that was a reflection. So it was looking back into the water, which we conceptually like. So knowing that Chris is a great photographer as well as obviously, you know, his TV work, he's always been an incredible photographer and and he's very into kind of abstract kind of nature photography as well as just, you know, classical. Um, So I just said to him, did he have anything that he thought might work? And he just sent us a load of images and um, the album cover is just some pictures that he took basically of pond skaters on a pond that he has taken and abstracted to the point where it looks like, you know, it could be, they could be standing on steel or something. The water doesn't even look like water. And so benefits of having some good friends sometimes. And, um, and also he's a big fan of the band. So he was happy and I think he said he'd always wanted to do an album cover. So that was a kind of bit of a dream realized for him. And um, yeah, you're right. He is a big punk rock fan. And, you know, and we, I've, we've had many late nights drinking and playing old punk rock seven inch singles. Mm-hmm. I know his favorite five, five billion diamond song is, is Gravity Rules. Uh, I, and, and the only reason I know that is because he, he told me how many plays it had had. <laughs> Well, let's play it one more time. Let's dedicate this to to your mate, Chris Packham. This is Five Billion in Diamonds and Gravity Rules.
So with the, uh, the vinyl release coming up of um, Divine Accidents, um, are there any new singles to, to sort of go with it to sort of help with the promo? Have you got any plans to release anything new? Um, yes, we have. And I, I Colour You In, which is the second track on the album with some amazing vocals by Helen, is going to be coming out uh, imminently. Just awaiting label confirmation on that. Um, we had planned to shoot a video. I live on the edge of the New Forest um, down near Southampton and uh, we had planned to shoot a video and we'd uh, actually managed to rent uh, a, a really long lens from the natural history, a natural history unit basically, which, but, uh, which meant that we could zoom in from, you know, uh, half a mile away and and we'd gone round and plotted all the locations and Helen was gonna appear in the video um and the two days before we were going to shoot it we had the 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 latest lockdown um so we had to improvise and Andy and Helen went into the studio together and shot an amazing video uh, video for it Andy's um as well as being an amazing musician is also um incredibly talented in that area as well and has worked on most of our videos so far so yeah, we've got a really good video together, um, which will be up soon. Um, and yeah, that's a, a song with a brass section on it as well. So, um, which was fun with, that we recorded in, in Bristol. So yeah, that, that, that will be out soon. Let's hear it. Let's hear I Colour You In.
one thing I was always interested in, even before the COVID situation, was um, would you ever consider playing live? I mean, given the logistics of you all being in different continents and that, it was difficult enough. But is it something that you've um, considered doing? We've actually done one gig, which was uh, James's one of James's significant birthday parties in... <laughs> Uh, I, won't say, I won't say which significant birthday party in in the Marine Theatre in Lyme Regis, a magical weekend by the seaside, um, and one of the one of the few times that the entire the entire collective of five billion and diamonds was in one place. So we just basically David was here, Ebba was here, Butch was here, Alex wasn't here, but we had Damon and Sean and Pete Hayes from the High Lamas was playing, and um, and it was we basically had. Uh, and and a, a quick evening in Christchurch Studios to have a quick run through of three or three or four tracks, ran through the tracks three or four times, and and um, went down and played them in line, to a theatre of friends in Lyme Regis. It was a magical time. It's fantastic. And yeah, we'd, of course, would love to be doing. Can't wait to the opportunity to have the opportunity to go out and do some gigs, yeah. because it's just amazingly good fun playing with, with all these people. It's amazing. Yeah. So did you play any cover versions as well at the gig? Or was it just a, a few five billion in diamonds tracks? Or did you actually, uh, did you go the whole birthday party covers band? Five billion only, only played four songs, I think. But we also have another band that we're, we're all kind of loosely connected to called The Volcanoes. And it was a band we put together for James's wedding, James and Mandy's wedding in Iceland a few years ago. And um, and again, in, in true five billion in diamonds style, we had a, a quick run through the night before in a weird little recording studio in, on the outskirts of Reykjavik. And I had Butch on drums, um, Helen and our friend Grant on vocals, um, uh, Damien and Paul from the Undertones. I, play, I was playing bass and, and a few other friends and guests which is all coming on and stuff. So that was a really good, a really fantastically sort of fun band to be playing in Iceland. And then we also kind of played some, some songs at James's significant birthday as well. So I must say playing Teenage Kicks, with um, Damien and Paul on stage anywhere and playing bass along with that was just one of the highlights of my life. It's incredible. So it's awesome. such good fun. The musicianship is off the wall. It's off the charts. And uh, we ended up at Lime Regis with uh, the final song was Close the Door from the first record. And with Ebbett as a front person, you just don't know what you're going to get because he is a Viking rock god. And he just went for it at the end. And we, we just kept going and going, like guitar solos. And he kept ad-libbing vocals. And I don't know, I think we play like a 10-minute version of the song or something. But I know when we play some shows, it's going to be fantastic because uh, of all the different uh, skill set that everybody brings, but also the camaraderie of everybody. It was so much fun playing that little set in uh, Lyme Regis. And we're, we're kind of itching to... Uh, go out and play some shows. I'm hoping maybe by the end of this year, you know, uh, as uh, vaccines start to roll out, that bands will start to get out and play live again. So it's on our agenda. We want to try and get out and uh, and do a proper tour of the UK and Europe and hopefully some shows over here in the US. Oh, that's great news that you, you, you consider that because I'm sure, like I said, with all the people involved, that would be something really special for, for fans to see, you know. I've got a little snippet of an interview that I did with Ebert when he, he talks about... Um, this gig and, and what it was like being on stage playing with all of you as, as you can hear and uh, it, it's great he's enthusiasm for it so let's hear a little clip of Ebert from a previous podcast that I did with him it's kind of interesting as well we're having fun yeah and also okay. it was kind of a, I actually went to uh, I was playing in Lyme Regis like uh, yeah. two weeks ago and yeah. we played uh, Dow Jones Syndrome with the guitar players from the undertones oh, the <laughs> and Butch yeah. Wigan drums oh, really? the sisters around Fantastic. it was like a 50th yeah. birthday yeah. 
James Matthews, he yeah. turned 50, so yeah. I was hilarious to see, like, <laughs> they do and the riff, yeah. like, <laughs> the undertones guitar playing, and I was like, yeah. fucking <laughs> amazing. <laughs> so are you working on any other projects? Have you got any other th- any other things that you're that's keeping you busy? I just finished a new garbage record, which will be coming out in June. Uh, we we're lucky to have finished the basic tracking back in March of last year, the day before LA went in lockdown. And uh, we thought it would take us about a month to finish a few overdubs and things. And uh, that stretched into about four months, just trying to send files around and everybody get motivated for, for whatever reason, it just, it slowed the process down. But we finished all the, the recording and mixing um, in last fall, like in October or so. And so it's been mastered and it's all done. We're just finishing the artwork and stuff and uh, quite excited about it. Um, Shirley's written a lot of lyrics that very much reflect the crazy world that we live in. Mm. And uh, sonically, I think it has some Talking Heads references and Roxy music. I'm a huge Roxy music fan, Steve. I don't know if you know that. I yeah. I was the president of the Roxy Music Fan Club in Madison, oh, Wisconsin, really? when I was at the university. So it's kind of cool to have those references in there. But uh, yeah, that'll, that'll come out in, in June. And again, we're hoping we can do some shows later in the year, but that remains to be seen. We'll have to see how, uh, how we tackle the pandemic yeah but you were meant to be going on tour with blondie when you were doing some shows i suppose that's all been yeah cool. we, yeah we were supposed to do a big tour last summer uh, in the states here with Alanis morissette and then go to europe and play with blondie and uh, both those obviously were uh, put on hold but i think we might still be doing some shows uh, with blondie in the uk in the fall but i just i i don't know if they've been confirmed yet. i guess like i said i think we're just waiting to see how things will roll out Oh, great. Well, we'll look forward to that. Um, it's, uh, it's a good, the only good thing about the lockdown, in a way, the only good thing is there has been some fantastic records released, and it's great that you can still still work on them. Obviously, our album of the year, 2020, uh, Divine Accidents, which, uh, you know, so there were some good things to come out of the year. How about you, James and Andy? Have you got anything uh, in the pipeline? Um, I've got a project called Revo, which is, um, we just released the first single. It's um, sort a of Bristol hip-hop project with a rapper called Relly, uh, who's, who's incredible, and um, and it's being released on a label called Del Orso Records. They've got an album coming out called All Welcome on Planet Revo in, I think, on Record Store Day, because there's going to be a few different versions, a few different um, coloured vinyl versions and a few sort of good and interesting remixes and stuff. But, um, yeah, no, it's nice to, it's, it's kind of, you know, it's nice to be getting music out because, I mean, you know, none, none of us can play live or DJ or anything. So, it's, you know, and like Butch said, you know, if you can sort of capture things at sort of certain times and get them out at the right time then yeah that's 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 all we have at the moment so yeah no, i feel blessed to be putting music in it we've we got a track that we can play can sort of yeah this is music? um so this track is called groove um groove with it and it's the first single from the from revo uh, on del orso records yeah we recorded right check it, check it, check it. good make sure we get this one space Agreements in the grand scheme, you got to keep scheming in the grand scheme of things. 
James, anything you're working on? No, I'm just um, buying massive amounts of music and consuming at the similar rate to always. In fact, probably an, an accelerated one. You know, wandering into this, into the, uh, what, what was it you described it as, Andy? The edge of the universe, musically, and just, yeah, just listening to lots of stuff and, you know, being bored of being at home the same as everyone else and just, just thinking about the new 5-bit album and influences for that. And, yeah, we need to, we, we, we're, we're all keen to get working on that, so... That's been fantastic talking to you all, and I really appreciate your time today. Thanks so much. And uh, said, if you want to check out uh, retromanblog.com, I'll put a feature that goes along with the podcast where I put all links to all the sort of um, bands that we've covered and where you can sort of uh, pre-order the vinyl and uh, and check some more information on all the all the happenings that we've we've covered. And I said it's uh, it's been great talking to you. Thank you, Andy. Thank you very much, Steve. Um, thanks very much for asking us. And um, yeah, thanks for thanks for making our album album of the year. Yes, thank you. And thanks, James. All the thanks best. a lot, Steve. Yeah, it's always a pleasure. And uh, Butch, thanks, uh, thanks very much indeed. Uh, nice to meet you and, and thanks for your time. Yeah, Steve, thanks for hosting us. It was fun for us to talk about music like this. And uh, we'll try and get you a copy of the vinyl, the double vinyl that comes out. It's, uh, it's going to sound great and the packaging looks great. And for all the vinyl freaks out there, I think they're going to dig it. But we'll see if we can get a copy to you. Well, thank you very much. Well, yeah, thanks again, everybody, and uh, it's lovely to chat to you, and I hope, uh, hope you all enjoyed that. And uh, to play us out, let's, uh, let's have the, the current single from uh, 5 Billion in Diamonds album, Divine Accidents, and this is Weight of the World. Um, thanks very much. And we Steve, mentioned- sorry, we're, you're really going to have to do a lot of editing, dude. <laughs> <laughs>
The things I've done are so consequential, they drain on me.